Hi, this is Lindsay Lohan, and welcome to The Lowdown. Today, my guest is Chef Michael Mina. We're going to discuss how he became a chef, the secrets of creating a successful restaurant, and the lowdown on Michael providing Michelin star dining. I am here with a very dear friend and someone I'm really excited to have on the podcast, Chef Michael Mina. So, Michael, welcome to The Lowdown. Thank you. How are Thank you? Thank you, Lindsay. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Quick little brief. Um, it's a funny story because Butter, my fiance, brought yeah. me here and we had crossed paths in the U.S. Yes. in the past. And then just a few years ago, we reconnected. Yes. <laughs> and so <laughs> we recently... In Dubai. Yeah, in Dubai. <laughs> what are the odds of that? Exactly. <laughs> Hey, we're going to take a quick little break and we'll be right back. So I just, for everyone listening, I just want to give them a little idea about you and maybe you could explain how you became a chef. Sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, honestly, it's a, it's a little bit of a, it's, it's a little bit of a long story, but kind of, um, you know, um, I grew up in, you know, I grew up in Washington state about a hundred miles east of Seattle and had moved from Egypt. I was two years old when I left Egypt. Um, and um, traditionally, you know, as coming, being in an Egyptian and household, um, you know, school is very important. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so when I um, started, um, when I was in high school, I got a job in a restaurant. Um, and I had had a, you know, had been playing basketball, didn't have a great experience with a coach of mine and um, decided I was going to quit playing basketball. (laughs) And my father said, go get a job. (laughs) And so I went and got a job in a restaurant and I fell in love with it. And absolutely, you know, there's something about it that's very magical when you've never done it before. And and it's, you know, restaurants like a little family, the people that work with you, the people that come in the restaurant that you cook for. And it really, I, I had never experienced anything like it in my life. And I became really passionate about the restaurant. I became really passionate about cooking and, and making a dish and taking it to somebody and watching them eat the dish and, and never understood that, you know, this was in ni- 1980. 283, I think I started cooking and did not, you know, realize that there was such a thing. There was no food network. There was, you know, I didn't realize there really was a career as a chef because the town I was in was so small that there really wasn't um, exposure to larger restaurants, to chefs, anything like that. So by the time I was uh, uh, 17, I had started to do more and more research and realize that, you know, it's a, that, you know, it could really make a profession out of it and become a chef. And I was fortunate because really by that point, I, I knew exactly what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And until I went and asked my parents and said, yeah, I think yeah, I'm going to skip college. What was their college. reaction to that? <laughs> uh, my mom said, Tabach, 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 which means like, you're going to be a cook, you're going to be a servant, you know, and, uh, and my mom was praying on the ground that I wouldn't do it. My, oh. dad, my dad was, uh, my dad, who's very calm, was yelling for the first time. <laughs> I think. And, uh, you know, so so we came up with a, an agreement that I would go to the university for one year 
And if I still wanted to go to culinary school, that he that then I could go to culinary school. And so I went one semester and also at that same time got a job. Um, I moved to Seattle and got a job at the Space Needle in Seattle. And I, when I would come home, all I would talk about was my job. And so my they parents how much you loved it. gave in. And my father actually went out and found the school in New York, which is Culinary Institute of America, and said, if you're going to do it, you need to go to this school. This is the best school for cooking. And so I went to the Culinary Institute when I was 19. And uh, you started so young. Yeah. I actually was 18 when I started at the school and um, went to school and graduated in 1989 wow. from culinary school. So it wasn't any sort of specific person that was an inspiration. It was just how you fell in love with it was just because you went to the restaurant and you saw the community. Yeah, because it, at that time and in that town, it wasn't it was, the town was 8000 people. There wasn't, mm. there, you know, and, and this is well before food is what it is today in the world or especially in the United States. Um, so, but, um, you know, obviously once, once I went to school, then it was all about all of the great chefs and studying the, the you know, historically all the great chefs and idolizing them and then the, finding the right chefs in the United States to apprentice under and to work under and people that, um, you know, really, you know, I idolized them and, you know, um, and learned from them. And who know, was that, your who was the first person that you really wanted to apprentice under? Um, <laughs> well, you know, I apprenticed under Charlie Palmer at Oriel in New York, and he had been the chef of River Cafe because I was in New York. And so that was that was big at the time, at the time that was really big. Um, but the first chef that just really opened my eyes to to just how passionate you need to be to 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 really be you know to really excel in this was mm -hmm. John Louis Peladin and John Louis Peladin was you know the first chef the youngest chef in France to get three Michelin stars and then he moved to the United States and he was the chef of the um, the Watergate Hotel in DC oh wow um, <laughs> and he was he was the chef's chef like every chef even the chefs now in the United States the amazing ones, you know, from Danielle Ballou to John George to you. Tom, yeah. <laughs> Everybody, you know, John Louis was, you know, he was the godfather. He was the most passionate person that I had ever met about food, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and when the first time that I ever got to cook with him, maybe the scariest day of my life, <laughs> but the first time that I ever really did an event with him and got to cook with him, it really, you know, it, that was a that was a life changing. Experience. It was like a defining moment. Yeah, yeah. Because it must feel crazy for you now. I mean, even Batter and I went to a restaurant in San Francisco, uh -huh. and I don't know. I think I mentioned a little bit of this story to you, but we were <laughs> eating at this restaurant, and the chef at the restaurant came out and was talking about how much he loves being a chef, and he said you are his inspiration oh. for being a chef, and that he was too nervous. He had an interview with you, and he was too nervous to go to the interview because he was so shy because oh. he's such a big fan of yours. Like You've touched so many people, and even how you manage your restaurants. You're very involved with your staff and everything. How does do you, does that, I mean, maybe, does that make you feel in a, like a certain way about how many people you've touched just through your food and how you represent yourself and everything like that? Well, I mean, that's that's really sweet and kind. Um, it's, a, it's, you know, it's an amazing industry. I mean, and it's an amazing profession 
because it is so, it just tests, um, it, you use everything, you use every sense, you use everything that you have in you. It's emotional, it's physical, it's mental, it's artistic. And you, you know, and you have to be able to, you know, there's just so many emotions that you have to be able to, to handle. And, um, and when you put it all together, really, there's two things that are extremely important. Obviously, you have to be passionate about food and about the craft and about the, everything about it. But if you, I've always looked at it as you're really blessed because restaurant people, restaurant employees are some of the greatest people you'll ever meet in your life. Mm. They just are really, the diversity of just the staff in a restaurant is just like, it's just so interesting. No, your to staff me. here, I mean, they're so accommodating and so comfortable to be around. Like, they're just such nice people. Absolutely. Which is, an, is a testament to you, you know? Yeah. And if you, so once you're around those people, all you want to do is you want to like figure out how to get them to the next level in their lives. And I've been really blessed that I, you know, that I've had great people around me and I'm partnered. You know, I've really been able to, at a really young age, have, and I had an incredible first restaurant in San Francisco, Aqua, yeah. you know, in 1991. And, and so I, I always look at it as I grew up with me and myself and this team of people grew up together in this restaurant. We built it together. It's a family. Yeah, it was a family. And so that team kind of has been a team that we've been together for a long time and went out and built 40 restaurants. But in that midst of that 40 restaurants, it's 3,000 employees that, that, at a time and then they go out and do amazing things and so that's probably the biggest reward that you can get is the reward on that side and then you get the reward on the side with your guests and you know getting it's just such a you know who would think that i'd be sitting next to you right now i mean i i you know i've watched i've watched your movie since i was since i was younger and with my, with my and wife way, and, but i'm a huge <laughs> fan of you like i i, I my bucket list and Better knows this. Everywhere we go in the world, always go to Michelin restaurants. So when I first, when we first saw you here again, I was nervous. Are you kidding? Yeah, because I'm. I, I don't think you know, but I'm. My like guilty pleasure is just cooking shows. I just watch cooking shows. That's I'm obsessed amazing. with cooking shows. And at home, he catches me like trying to come up with different things. And That's so I do I do it. this kind of stuff. But you don't, you'll learn that about me. I love it. But um, yeah, it's it's just. It's the world is how people come together. You know, I think everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the one common, you know, the one common thread throughout the world is food. Right. Right. And and, and I uh, honestly think it's food and it's restaurants. And, and I think that, you know, you get to you get to be involved with this amazing group of people that that are the people that you work together and is your work family. Then every day you get to meet you know, hundreds of amazing people in your restaurant and you get to, to feed them and, and, and you get the challenges. I mean, you know, you, life is nothing without challenges, right? right? So, you know, it's like, you're going to have challenging, you know, um, guests in your restaurant and then you're going to have uh, people that are just there and want to, you know, just want to love it. And so I think that that's, you know, one of the, one great thing about a restaurant is it's never going to be the same. Every day it's going to be different. Right. Like there'll never be two days that are the same. And so that's it's exciting. Kind of yeah. Yeah. How did you come up with the idea for Amina Group? How did that come together? So, so what happened was, um, uh, like I said, I, 
I had built a restaurant called Aqua mm-hmm. and, and it was in San Francisco and it was an all fish restaurant. And it was really the first of its kind, a restaurant in a city in the city of San Francisco that was a four-star restaurant. And there's only three four-star restaurants, but the other two were very small. And they're what I would call whisper joints <laughs> where you go in and, you know, you, you, you're kind of feel like you're there to worship the food and you don't feel comfortable. It's a really quiet room. And I didn't want that. Like I've always wanted my restaurants to, I've always Fun. wanted a party, you know, right. I've always wanted it to feel like a party. And so, you know, this was the first restaurant I think in the city that had the right that kind of design with the lighting and the sound system and the music and, and the vibe to it. But still we wanted to achieve very cutting edge, very innovative four-star food and four-star service, but with no pretentiousness. It was the whole. Which is refreshing. And in 1991, it's a lot different now. There's a lot more restaurants like that now, but in 1991, there wasn't any, and especially none that have four stars in that city. Right. And so the second one, was at the Bellagio um, and was when the Bellagio was being built and, and Steve Wynn had asked, uh, you know, he had offered us an opportunity to go there. And I didn't know anything about Las Vegas at the time. <laughs> I'd only been there once. I went there for a bachelor party. I was, was going to say, there. was it like a bachelor party I, or something? I was supposed to be there three days. I left <laughs> in 18 hours. I was like, that's not <laughs> but, but, um, but, you know, and funny enough, the chef I was talking about, John Louis Peladin, had actually ended up doing a restaurant in Las Vegas, and I went there for dinner, and I could, I, he, it blew my mind because I couldn't believe the products that he was getting, and obviously the food he was cooking mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. And so, you know, we did Las Vegas, and and from there, you know, really, what happened is it opened up my eyes to boy, I, you really can do more than one restaurant. And if you have the right team of people, you can expand. And so in 2002, you know, I got together with a, a really good friend of mine, Andre Agassi, and his wife, Stephanie Graff, and, um, you know, told them that I had this idea that I wanted to build a restaurant company, but I wanted to partner with hotels and casinos and, and you know, be able to build... You, you know, beautiful high-end restaurants, but that had energy and life to them. And, and, um, and we started Mina Group and, you know, I founded it in 2003 and, and now we have 40 restaurants. That's crazy. How many restaurants you have? I mean, also you have a Michelin star, which it's like the hallmark (laughs) of culinary excellence is to get a Michelin star. What did that feel like when you got your star? It, It was amazing. I mean, um, it was really interesting because, I had, so I had built, um, at that time, I had built uh, the first Michael Mina, and it was at the St. Francis Hotel in San Francisco. And we actually got, when Michelin came to San Francisco for the first year, we got two Michelin stars that year. And then... Did you know when they came to the restaurant? No, I had no idea. Because <laughs> that would really honestly, be, I, I think, no scary. Yeah, I... I you know, sometimes you know when critics are in and sometimes you don't. And um, at that point, you know, with Michelin, especially their first year, no one knew any who the critics were. I still don't. Michelin does a, a good job of, of disguising themselves. Yeah. And- well, I think they, they move them around. I think mm-hmm. they, they, move, they move them around. And, um, and then um, and so then we ultimately ended up moving the restaurant and we 
made the restaurant a little more casual when we moved it. And so then we went to one star. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, but to receive, you know, at that point to receive two Michelin stars and, and, you know, it, it it's something that, especially the first year it was in the United States, it was something that, you know, you say that awards, you know, you want to, you don't want to make everything about an award, but in all honesty, to get two Michelin stars for myself and mm-hmm. for my staff, you know, the amount of work that the staff puts in every day in a restaurant, you know, that it's, it's something that is so gratifying. And, and I think it really speaks volumes to what a restaurant is really all about, which is, it's a team of people, you know, right. it's, it's not about Michael Mina. It's about this amazing team of people that, you know, that's what it takes. I mean, it takes, it takes a village. A, it <laughs> takes a village. Yeah. What do you think your biggest challenge has been as a chef thus far? And, or how did you overcome any challenges that you've had? Well, or people that want to be chefs. And- yeah. I, I, I mean, I think your, your challenges as a chef, um, to me, the biggest challenge is probably the same challenge that you know a lot of people face which is if you're successful when you're young you know there's a that doesn't there's a lot of growth that you mentally have to do i completely relate to that yeah and and you know i'm there you know when i was you know when you're okay all of a sudden there's a there's a certain amount of pressure that comes with being a chef like because all of a sudden everybody comes to you for everything. So all of a sudden now you start to think you're an electrician if something's broken yeah. and now I'm a plumber today because you know the toilet needs to be fixed and all of a sudden you're an accountant and you, you you think you're a lot more than you really are. Yeah. And staying in your lane and surrounding yourself by the right people, that doesn't happen right away when you're young. And yeah. so what it does is it puts an enormous an enormous amount of pressure on you. And when you're young, I don't know if you can, you know, it's hard to handle that and handle it the right way. And so there's different ways that, you know, you might handle it that you look back at and you, you say, you know, I, um, I could have handled these things differently and it would have, you know, I still could have gotten the same result. But when you're in the thick of it, you don't think yeah, you're you don't, get the same you don't result. recognize it when it's no, happening. No, you feel like, you know, there's and and I think that you have to be able to to find ways to cope with that and to cope with the pressure and which has a lot to do with what you said who you surround yourself with it's exactly it and and i think that's exactly the other thing is from day one transparency like you know share all your recipes make make it all about everybody working on this together so everyone's and, learning and growing it's not a one-man show yeah, yeah. because you, you need you need their you need everyone's buy-in if you don't if you don't have it you know there's no, you, you don't have a chance of having a great restaurant. Yeah. How do you, cause you have a very specific style. How would you explain your style to people if they're unfamiliar with it? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I think that my style of cooking has a lot to do with my childhood and, and how I ra- was raised because being in a, you know, in a Middle Eastern household, when you think about Middle Eastern food, that's what I grew up eating and it's bold, balanced food. And what I mean by that is, you know, the food is bold in flavor. It's high in acid. There's usually sweetness in the food. There's spice in the food. And there's richness and like fat in the food. Mm-hmm. And so 
even though my mom, um, the way she would cook and the way that, you know, the, that my, you know, how like my aunts would cook and everything else, people that I was around, um, you know, it's not like I really understood all of it. I, I wasn't in the kitchen every day. There's certain things I like to make and, and I'd be in the kitchen and make, you know, one or two things, but, but my palate really got trained to like acid, sweet, spice, fat, bold, bold flavored mm -hmm. food. And so that's the way I've cooked my whole career now is like, I, I believe in having food that has a lot of flavor. So whether I'm doing, that's a, why I love it so much, thank you. <laughs> whether it's a French brasserie dish or it's a Japanese dish or it, anything to me, it has to be balanced and it has to be bold. It has to have flavor, but it has to be balanced. So if you're going to have, you know, a fatty element to a dish, you need to have enough acid to balance that out. And so that it doesn't get, bland and boring. I know I need to cook with you and you need to give me all these <laughs> tips and time. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a quick little break and we'll be right back. What experience do you hope to provide people when they come to one of your restaurants? Um, you know, honestly, I want people to walk away from the restaurant feeling like I felt so I felt more important in that restaurant than I feel anywhere else. And why do I feel important? Because when people come to a restaurant, so if, if you're bringing, if Lindsay's bringing a group to the restaurant, right? Mm -hmm. You've made the decision to come to my restaurant. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a strange thing to say, to say important, but it, it, but it, but it's really the, the right word. You've made a decision to come to my restaurant. Now there's three other people with you. You want the restaurant to be good. You mm -hmm. want it to be good because you made that decision. The other three people want it to be good because they want you to feel good about the decision you made, right? And, and so we're in a good position to start with, right? Yeah. Because everybody wants the restaurant to be good. They want right. the service to be good. They want the food to be good and everything else. And so what I always say is it makes people feel if you can deliver on that, you walk away and you feel like, wow, I feel good. I feel important. I feel like I I feel like I made a good choice, you know? Yeah, and that makes you want to go back. It makes and you want to go back and it makes you want to come back to restaurant. And and to me, that's the best compliment you can get is repeat business. That's the number one thing is, you know, what I want people to say when they walk out of that restaurant is, I can't wait to come back. And then I want them to come back. And then the, and then the crown jewel is for me now, because, <laughs> because I'm, um, you know, a, a lot older than I once was um, and have cooked, you know, for, 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 for a few decades now. Yeah. It's great to hear the stories when somebody comes and says, Oh my God, I remember I was, I went to your restaurant in 1996 and I had this dish and they can remember that dish. And it was my birthday or it was my anniversary or I got engaged. It at was your like, restaurant. I think our third date we had here. Me and better. <laughs> I, I love that. I mean, like, there, there's no, <laughs> so it's so special. There's no, yeah. There's nothing better than hearing that. Like, you 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 created a memory for somebody that they're that they're gonna keep for the rest of their life. That's pretty special. So you have also you have you told me your book is you're writing a book right now. Yeah, I'm working on my second book. Your I, second yeah, one. I, yeah, but but I my first one was 15 years ago. Yeah. So, so this is so, so this is so yeah, it's a whole new one in yeah, a way. It's, yeah, it's really the first. So one that's exciting. I mean, yeah. is there anything you want? listeners to know about that absolutely i mean you know it's a book that i'm i'm really passionate about because my my mother turned 90 uh a week ago 
and, oh, and God bless her. so you know um i told her that i was going to do an egyptian cookbook and that um and so i've been pre-pandemic we started it and i made a couple trips to egypt and and i'm really excited about the book because the book is it's going to be called my egypt and it's going to be the truth because i'm would be i would be um what i know about egyptian cooking is what my mom showed me which is a lot of the basics a lot of things that you would expect but it's really just one dimensional in the sense that it's one person one or two people um it wasn't like i grew up in egypt and so i was lucky enough to meet this amazing chef and he's almost like a historian his name is mustafa and he has the zuba the you know the zuba restaurants in oh, okay. egypt and um and he and so you know we started talking about it and he said and i said you know what i want to do is i want to go to egypt and i want to see where Fatir, i want to see you know i want to see you know um you know the, the women making Fatir. i want to experience where a lot of this food came from the origins of it and everything else right. and understand it and because even though i'm making it i want to i want to make it the best way we could possibly make it and then i want to have some fun with it because the way that i cook with it now when i make those dishes is i'll take something that is traditional like fatir and i want to make that traditional but then i'm going to make a dish out of it my way so i want to be able to show people you know this is the proper way to make fatir and this is how it's being made you know this is how it's been made for centuries right right but then i'll take that same fatir and i'll i'll put kush i'll put kushta on it and um which Elevate is like, it. like a little cream like a little like a you know a little cream and caviar and do something make a dish out of it that i would serve in my restaurant and okay. that i do serve in my restaurant and so that's the part of it that's kind of my egypt is it's egypt for me is um what i knew from growing up but i want it to be my experience of my journey of what i've cooked since then you know like my european training and things of that nature mm -hmm. and how i incorporate that with some with traditional foundations and dishes yeah i was gonna ask you how did how do you come up with the idea for a dish because some because what i love about your restaurant is that you change you add uh -huh. different things to the menu and you keep it fresh and new, but mm -hmm. what is it when you're sleeping and then you wake up in the middle of the night? I do. I do have a notepad right next to my bed. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can ask Diane. I have one right next to my bed. I'm going to ask Diane years. about that. And so, so that, that is, you know, and honestly, I bet you do the same thing. I bet you create things like in your mind. Yes. Yeah. When you, you know, when you're right about to fall asleep, that's like some of your right most when, creative yeah. time. Right. And yeah. then you wake up and then, then you get up and write something down. I set reminders on my phone, so I remember it the next day. <laughs> but you know, the, the great thing about you know the great thing about I think about cooking is, you know, Mother Nature tells you when it's time to get off your butt and get cooking, right? Because mm -hmm. the seasons change, the product changes, and you got to change with the product. And if you you don't ever want to miss a season, it's like you know, right now it's asparagus, morels, fava beans. English peas, it's spring, right? Yeah. And and you don't want to, you know, you want to get it right. You know, you're we're hungry for it as chefs. Like we're waiting because we get bored. Well, you know, you, every chef has ADD. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's inevitable, right? And so we get bored. And so like as the season starts to wind down, and you think about product, right? 
as product starts to wind down, it's not quite as good, like the end of tomato season. And then there's that end of tomato season. And then it starts to be the beginning of fall and your squashes and everything else. And so it all starts with the product mm -hmm. and the seasons and wherever you are. Like I, you know, even if you're in an, even if you're in an area that, that doesn't have as much seasonality to the food, you're still in this day and age, you're importing products that have seasonality to them. And then obviously you want to use local products whenever you can. Yeah. And so that also helps you to change your menu because now there's there's products that only grow for three weeks out of the year and they're perfect. And you want to make sure you don't miss those three weeks. And so that's the start of it. And then, you know, then it, the product does a lot of the, the, you know, a lot of the work in the sense that like, you know, what I was talking about before, like, you know, this balance in food and in flavor. So, when you really think about balance, a lot of it just has to do with something being in season. So when a tomato is in season and it's ripe, that's when the sugar levels, the acid levels are lowered, the sugar levels are higher. And so now it's naturally balanced. I used to, when I was growing up, I used to only like tomato sauce and I hated just eating actual tomatoes. Uh -huh. And then I discovered Sicilian tomatoes, which are pretty crunchy and salty. Yeah. And yeah. now I love eating tomatoes, which is so funny. Yeah. Because my taste buds completely changed. Well, well it's amazing because when you're young, you know, um, you know, not not to. I was a good young eater, though. Yeah. I yeah. always was having fish and vegetables. Like I was, I was big on like I could eat a bucket of clams when I was little. That's why you and Diane are. That's two, why we have two, to hang out. Two clams in a pot. <laughs> two you hear that's, that, Diane? That's why Diane was eating. We're having wife. a clam bake. <laughs> she literally was eating clams and drinking Bloody Marys when she was three years old. I'm telling you, I'm telling you I've got pictures of her. It's my dad clams. used to take me and he used to, literally, and, and if I was lucky, I would get like clam chowder sometimes if he took me to the plaza, yeah. the, the oak room. Oh, yeah. she, Shrimp cocktails, clams, this is yeah. my favorite kind of thing. You two have to hang out. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a quick little break and we'll be right back. What is one of your favorite products to cook with? Um, you know, so I would say that, you know, there's, a, there's obviously, you know, obviously always luxury items that you can say, you know, you can say, oh, I love truffles or I love caviar and, and, and all the things I do love them. You know, yeah. I love them. I love seafood. You know, I love fish because of all of the different varieties of fish. That's why it's great to have a fish restaurant. You know, and so there's just so many different varieties, so many different cooking techniques you can do with with fish. And and I think that it's something that like, you know, there's so many different, you know, techniques that you learn from different countries with seafood. That's great. But overall, I mean, like, it's again, it's so much to do with seasonality. But if you ask me, you know, like right now, today, you know, this season, like I love sunchokes. Like to me, sunchokes are super underrated. You know, you don't see enough of them on menus, but to me, they've got that perfect balance of like a little bit of tartness. And when you roast them properly, they they got sweetness to them and, and they're super versatile. I love mm -hmm. things that are really versatile. You can roast them, you can slice them and fry them. You can, you know, you can uh, saute them with brown butter and eat them whole, you know? And so yeah. I, I, I love that type of thing when it comes to vegetables, things that are really, really versatile, you know? Um, you know, all different kinds of mushrooms. That's another thing. It, like, I like when there's a product that has, you know, a lot of, you know, when there's a lot of different types of, of the same product, different ways, techniques that you can use it and cook with it. 
Yeah, because then you have more to play with. Okay, we're going to do a little quick little game. Okay, let's go. <laughs> it's this or that. Okay. So it's quick, quick responses. <laughs> okay, you got it. Comfort food or fine dining? Comfort. Fall harvest or summer produce? Summer. Glass of wine or specialty cocktail? Specialty cocktail. <laughs> Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Dubai, Vegas, or California? Dubai. Ooh. <laughs> Roasting or sauteing? Roasting. Hotel or B&B? Hotel. French food or Middle Eastern food? Middle Eastern. <laughs> Dinner or dessert? Dessert. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken or fish? Fish. <laughs> and summer or winter? Summer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then this is, now we're going to do the low down and dirty, but okay. it's not dirty. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite dish to prepare? Um, oh, boy. <laughs> you can do a dish and dessert, maybe. Okay. <laughs> my favorite dessert to prepare is banana tart to chan, just because it's my favorite dessert to eat. And it's, <laughs> it's a play on classic apple. And my favorite dish, it, you know, I, I love cooking over. I love roasting or grilling over wood. I just like cooking over wood. So I would say just like a beautiful wood grilled fish that's like wrapped in any sort of, you know, depending on what what you're going for. I just love like wrapping a fish in banana leaves or fig leaves or something oh, wow. like that. And then grilling it and opening it up at the table with citrus. And I just love that experience because yeah. I like the cooking of it. And then I like the presentation of it. Yeah, that's making me hungry. Um, what kitchen tools could you not live without? Oh, Peltex, that, you know, that little spatula that, that, <laughs> that has all the lines in it because we, it's, you know, extremely versatile. That <laughs> you have to have sharp knives. I mean, I know people say it all the time, but there's just I said there's that no too. way around it. About the other day, we need to get new knives because yeah. they're dull. <laughs> and the one that everyone should have, and it only costs 99 cents. So everyone go out and get it. A cake tester. A cake tester. Okay, so you know, like when you poke a little cake, it looks literally like a, uh, a it's got a, you know, it's got a little plastic end on it, mm -hmm. and it's a really, really thin little piece of metal. And that's what you should yeah. use to test everything meat, fish, potatoes, doesn't matter what, because this way, like people will stick a thermometer in a steak and all the juice will come out. Okay. A cake tester, you learn Spin how enough. to use it, and you, you put it on the side of your hand. And, if you just continually use it, you'll learn by temperature and by pressure if something is done or not. Wow. that's I would never even have thought of that. Yeah, everyone should have that. I this is why we need to do our kitchen. reality show, our <laughs> cooking show together, so people can learn all these things. Um, what was one of your favorite dishes growing up? Kushery, uh, fatir, um, palmea, um, yeah, it's mostly all Middle Eastern. It's mostly all Middle Eastern, but kushery would be number one. Like okay. if if I would say that the one thing that I tell my mom every time I'm coming home, I want it's kushery. My fav one of my favorite dishes is mulhia. I love that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I crave it. Uh huh. Uh, if you could open another restaurant anywhere in the world, where would you pick? Ooh, that's a good one. Well. I've always said that my last restaurant will be on a beach, no stoves. It'll be. Oh, so cool. It'll be, you know, 
a lot of raw fish, a lot of, uh, you know, feet in the sand, um, you know, great produce, um, just a grill. Um, so trying to think of where you could do that. And there's so many, so many spots, but I mean, I, you know, I have a restaurant there, but it would probably be if I could open one at, if I could open a restaurant on Lanikai Beach. In I was going to say Hawaii. That, Is it Hawaii? Where, yeah, that would be where I would well, do it. Well, then you will. You just put it in the universe and I'm coming. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Diane will chill and run the restaurant. That, that's it. <laughs> Uh, what is one ingredient that you could not live without? Uh, salt. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, what's the best piece of advice someone gave you about being a chef? Um, I would, I would just, I would say that um, never, ever, ever stop learning. Like travel every your whole life the day you decide to become a chef mm -hmm. you can live 20 lifetimes you're never going to know it all you know every time you think you know yeah. it all pick up a book from another country you'll realize Learn how much you don't else. know so you know so that you know i think that sometimes you get into a rut where you start to repeat um and it's not bad to have your classics but as long as your classics are your classics and you're putting you're giving them, you know, the 5% of your attention, but the 95% is all about continually, continually educating yourself and learning because it's competitive. Yeah. Yeah. What is the, what excites you most in the kitchen right now? Um, right now, 100% is partnerships with chefs, like okay. partnering and watching, getting, having chefs like, you know, I, I'm just so blessed right now to like have, Chefs come to me all the time that have, you know, great restaurants, but they really can't expand and they want to expand. And, and I've been really blessed to have this amazing team and group of people where we, we can expand. And chefs will come to me like a Ken Tamanaga, who's, you know, I, I think is one of the best Japanese chefs in all of San Francisco, not the best, had a small restaurant in a strip mall and all the chefs would eat at his restaurant. And, you know, I ate at his restaurant for 13 years and says, let's do a restaurant together. You know, I don't have the infrastructure or anything else. So my whole team now gets to learn Japanese food. And, and so that we're doing a Japanese restaurant that is, uh, that is true and authentic and done the right way and has the traditions the right way that I just am so blessed that I'm in that point in my career yeah. where I get to partner with these chefs. Um, and that's to me the most exciting, like, I get so excited when we're opening one of these restaurants and just getting to be so in It's a whole new venture yeah. for everyone. Um, if you had to eat the same meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? <laughs> the same? It, it would be nigiri. It would be, oh, really? Yeah, it would be Japanese food. I think be, mine would be like... Or pizza. Yeah, mine would I was going to say pizza, pizza yeah. or, or mine would be Japanese is the yeah, second, yeah. actually. Um, what dish do you really not like making? Tuna tartar. <laughs> really yeah i just that's I so funny because you have one on the menu oh no i started it, it was, yeah it's, your fa it's famous here I, it just makes so and it's much such a beautiful plating the way you serve it i can never take it off the menu um we'd have riots and um and it's a great dish it's just it's one of those things where you made a dish and it and it has an amazing fragrance to it but i've smelled it for so many yeah yeah years. okay 
And I just, <laughs> yeah, that would be it. <laughs> All right. What tips would you give to someone who has never cooked before but wants to learn? Uh, taste, 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 taste. Um, understand that the first thing that you got to do is what we, we, you and me have been talking about all day today. Acid, sweet, spice, fat. Learn to train your palate to taste and what you're tasting for. So your palate and your mind have to work together. Mm -hmm. So the best thing you can do is when you're eating, start thinking about what is in this dish is giving it acid. What in this dish is giving it spice. It doesn't mean that every dish has to have every one of it. What's giving it fat mm -hmm. and what's giving it sweetness. And if a dish has those things in it, you're eating a dish and you'll start to be able to say, oh, this dish needs more acid because it's too fatty and I'm getting bored or it's, I'm, it's heavy. I can't get done with this dish, yeah. right? Or this dish has, you know, a little bit too much sweetness. So it needs a little more spice to balance that out. Right. You know, and I made that mistake the other day, by the way, I was, I was trying to do this new style of an egg salad and I did forgot to taste and I had too much paprika in it. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have to taste. And he got the result of it better. <laughs> he was like, way too much paprika. Yeah. Can't breathe. <laughs> I always feel so bad for people. Like, you know, they'll be like, you know, someone will invite me to their house and I'll be like, oh, I've been cooking all day. I can't wait for you to try it. And I'm, I'm like, well, how is it? They're probably so nervous. Especially. I'm like, how is it? They're like, well, I haven't tasted it yet. I'm like, well, <laughs> no, 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 no. You have to taste. <laughs> Well, is there anything you want to tell everyone in the world who's listening? <laughs> well, no, just, you know, more than anything else, thank you, Lindsay. Thank no, you thank you so much. Dear, dear, <laughs> I mean, I feel like we're so blessed. I'm blessed to have met you. And, Same you know, here. And I think that, um, uh, you know, the only thing I like to tell the world is thank you because, you know, I'm, I'm a person that's been able to get to live out my dream and, it's, you know, something that not everyone gets to do, you know, yeah. some people are, a lot of people, you know, don't get to do that, but I've been able to, you know, be able to go around the world and, and meet amazing people and, and, and our business is hard work, but it's never been a day of work. And then this is thank you to everyone that comes to the restaurants and eats and makes us all well, happy. Thank you for creating such wonderful places that everybody can come and feel comfortable and like they're almost at a second home and and have incredible food so that's a testament to you so thank you Likewise. <laughs> michael is my favorite chef and i'm so glad i got to sit down with him at his restaurant and talk with him he brings so much love into the kitchen with him and it was incredible to get to hear about how he has made his way through the culinary world he's an amazing example of following your passion and being a lifelong learner I hope this episode inspires you to try to do something new in the kitchen. If you enjoyed our conversation, do me a favor and rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and I'll talk to you next time on The Lowdown. <laughs>